0: Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on.
1: (laughs) Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, U.S. Bets Senior Analyst Jeff Edelstein, and we're dropping this here pod on a Wednesday, a day early, for two reasons. One is we want to talk Masters, and we figure it's best to get that stuff out there while there's still time to make pre-tournament bets. And the other is, as our Bagels and Locks segment may have indicated to you listeners, uh, Jeff and I are both Jewish, and we have Passover saders to deal with. So it made sense to post the podcast before all that nonsense gets rolling. So Jeff, I have a question for you. What's the worst Jewish holiday? And why is it Passover?
2: See, I, I just now here's the question for you. Do you follow the dietary restrictions?
1: Uh I used to. I don't anymore, but I can still hate the holiday even without
2: <laughs> So yeah, I don't follow the dietary restrictions, but I mean, so if you don't follow the restrictions or the guidelines, you know, that's like, that's 90% of the battle right there. Um, but I mean, it's for me, for my family, it's like, it, it's for lack of a better comparison, it's like Christmas for the Edelsteins uh, hmm. without the presents. And that like, this is the one time a year that family like tries to get together. So okay. like, except my, my parents are hosting, they're like 82 years old. They're, my mother's been cooking since like December uh, like over the next two nights, there's going to be like 70 different people like at my house, at my parents' house. Um, some of my favorite and least favorite relatives are going to be there. Okay. Um, so, you know, it, it's a thing. So, I mean, it's, it's it, honestly, I'm never more stressed out than I am because going back, to, I don't, I, I, listen, I am, as I've explained many times in this space before, I'm a, I'm a fucking idiot. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I have like the emotional intelligence of a, you know, the porpoise, and you know, going my in my parents' house is it's the house I grew up in. It's still like they haven't moved or nothing. And uh-huh. so, I the the moment I walk through and walk into that house, I turn into fourteen
1: year old Joe. <laughs> you know, right? Just so like, you just, do you just go back up to your old room and slam the door shut and uh, tell everyone more, to leave you alone.
2: More or less, you know. Right. I, want, I I start digging through my drawers looking for like cigarettes I might have left there thirty five years <laughs> ago. You know, it's a disaster. It's a disaster.
1: I kind of want to hang out with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you compared it to uh, to Christmas for you. I, I think, you know, to the outsider, it may seem on the surface a little like Thanksgiving, you know, bringing right, family sure, together sure. for oh, a holiday right, that's meal.
2: Better. Better, that's better, actually. Yeah.
1: OK, uh, so. All right. So let, if we're comparing it to Thanksgiving, though, for, this is for the for the non-Jews out there who don't necessarily know what Passover is all about. What if Thanksgiving had the worst possible food? Yes. No football.
2: No football, no. And
1: you had to go around the table reading a book for anywhere from a half hour to two <laughs> hours, depending on how religious your family is, before you could eat the disgusting food. Right.
2: That's so, troublesome. Yeah, right. so— I, I haven't even started with kefilta fish yet.
1: <laughs> that's Which true. I've never
2: tasted. I've never tasted it. You, oh, you've never
1: even tried it? See, here's nope. the thing. I, I will admit, while I hate matzah and all of the various unleavened items— I kind of like gefilte fish. And I'm also I'm one of those people who if you put hor- a little horseradish on something, it, it makes almost anything uh, edible. Right. Mm. I don't know. But <laughs> regardless, even despite my uh, acceptance of gefilte fish, for me, it's not close. This is the worst holiday and uh, and hot take here. Our ancestors in Egypt got off easy. Eight days of eating Passover food is far more suffering than they ever endured. <laughs> Uh, we should should do uh, how we're not
2: doing a Jew podcast just you know off the gambling topic mania is beyond me we need to start something
1: just purely about Judaism
2: Bad Jews,
1: we could call it. Okay, all right. Well, let's workshop that. I like it. All right, (laughs) thank you to everyone out there. Uh, Good Jews, bad Jews, non-Jews. Thank you to all of you for joining us for episode number 236 of Gamble On, the podcast that pairs perfectly with gefilte fish or or Easter eggs. We're versatile. Um, If you missed any of our previous 235 episodes, they're all available on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. You know the drill. Subscribe, rate, and review. All right. coming up a little
2: bit later on the show, we're going to be joined by uh, our own Jason Sobel of the Action Network, who is in Augusta, where, spoiler alert, not a lot of Jews. Um, But (laughs) before we get to that, as always, Eric, plenty of news to go over this week.
0: Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling.
1: Good news this week kind of caught us off guard last thursday night when the kentucky senate voted 25 to 12 in favor of a sports wagering bill on the final day of the legislative session sending it along to governor andy Bashir, who had said all along he supported sports betting and would sign off if the two chambers ever passed it and indeed the very next morning he did exactly that making kentucky the first state to legalize sports betting in 2023 Bashir said quote We talk about having a competitive business climate, but we were not allowing an important business that every state around us has. Our dollars were supporting Indiana, West Virginia, Ohio, and other states. But now, after years of urging action, sports betting is finally going to be legal in Kentucky. We made it happen. End quote. There are nine horse racing tracks in Kentucky, and each can have a brick and mortar book and partner with up to 3 mobile operators so that's a cap of 27 digital sports books wagering on college sports will be allowed the tax rate is 14 and a quarter percent and you only have to be 18 to bet uh, it wasn't a quick and easy process but it did appear to come to a quick and easy end and uh, of course better late than never jeff your thoughts on Kentucky getting into the game nearly 5 years after the repeal of paspa
2: I'll tell you the, the biggest surprise that they went with the 18 uh, year old thing. That's surprising mm-hmm. in this climate right now, you know, but you know, whatever, it seems reasonable, you know, 18, you could, you know, go to the army, you might as well be able to bet on the Ottawa red blacks at <laughs> plus 1500 to lift the gray cup this year. So sure. Why not? Good job, Kentucky. But no, for real, I am a little surprised that I guess this bill's been floating around, you know, here, there and everywhere, obviously, but like. Uh, the the universe hasn't collapsed upon itself with the eighteen year old uh, limit. I mean, that's that, not many states have that. No, right?
1: No, no, you're right. It's uh, there are a handful. I you know I don't think we've ever spoken about our, our feelings on the eighteen versus twenty one debate. But they, but yeah, this Kentucky joins a couple of other states. I know that uh, our colleague Jill Dorson is going to be digging into uh, that particular topic in the days ahead. She has a story planned on the states that are doing eighteen as opposed to twenty one, but. I guess one argument that I would make in favor of 18 or or at least not vehemently opposing 18 uh, is most 18 year olds don't have much of their own money to lose gambling anyway. Uh, You know, like you get into your 20s, you have a paycheck to blow. You can blow your rent money. But at 18, you probably don't have much money to lose. And if you do. It means you're some rich trust fund baby or whatever, and uh, if anyone's gonna blow money, it ought to be those kids. Um, I, I mean, I would prefer obviously that the age just be uniform across all states, whatever the number is the The idea of being underage in one state and driving across a border to where it's legal, that's not ideal. but yeah, on on the surface, I don't have any huge issues with uh, with uh, a state like Kentucky or any other state going with 18.
2: That's yeah, an interesting take. I, I never really considered that that idea that, yeah, like if you have if you're if you're swimming in gobs of muddy at 18, you know, screw you, basically. You know? <laughs> right, right. Go ahead lose it. We don't care. Right. Um, but it, but again, I, I, it is surprising, though, given like the the political wins right now that they left it at 18. It just, you know, seems surprising to me. That's it. Yeah,
1: you know? I don't know. I, uh, I don't know if uh, that if there's some cultural difference in, in Kentucky that I, I don't right. know if is that could the drinking age there is the drinking age in some states no. still 18 it's 21 anywhere
2: 21 everywhere. yeah you got okay. I think the 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 feds did that if you wanted federal highway funds you had to like raise it to 21 that was the okay. deal so hmm.
1: all right um so i uh, on this topic um uh, reading about some of the details uh, behind how these hearings went um as always some legislators with uh, deeply moral convictions uh who are almost certainly committing sex crimes on the side while thumping the Bible, of course. Um, some of them in Kentucky spoke out against this and uh, you know, got, a, got another version of the, the here come the prostitute speech, basically. But, uh, but it's good to see they were outnumbered. Um, but there was one quote that, that really stood out. Uh, it came from a state senator who voted in favor of the bill, uh, a guy named Brandon Smith. He had voted against sports betting in the past, but he came around and uh, see if you can follow his logic here, Jeff. He said, mm-hmm. it's sports betting, not gambling. Mm-hmm. There's a scripture that talks about money being the root of all evil, but it's not the money that is the root of all evil. It's the love of it. It's not gambling that's evil. It's the love of it. But this is not gambling. I can't take responsibility for everybody in this state wagering. So I don't know. That's that's one way to get there, I guess.
2: Yeah. No, that that seems to be a very uh, roundabout. Sports betting is not gambling. Scripture, love of money, not the money itself. No, it tracks. It tracks. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good.
1: All right. Uh, let's move on to our second story. Uh, we're going to talk March Madness one last time. There were two notable betting angles out there as UConn prepared to play San Diego State in the finals matchup that we all predicted from the start. First, UConn's lopsided victory Monday night paid off handsomely for a better using Caesar Sportsbook in Michigan in January. The better put twenty five thousand dollars on UConn at twenty to one, and assuming they didn't cash out early, they won five hundred thousand dollars and. Uh, Man, I want to know what it's like someday to have so much money that I can afford to gamble $25,000 of it on a long shot. Uh, The other story here emerged during the day Monday when DraftKings posted a pre-made same-game parlay of underdog San Diego State to win, San Diego State plus three and a half points in the first half, and UConn under 74 and a half points. The odds were plus 310. Also on DraftKings, the odds of San Diego State winning without needing those other two legs to hit, we're plus three twenty. So either DraftKings' algorithm screwed up, or the people running the site are deliberately posting horrendous odds and hoping suckers will make outrageously minus EV bets. Uh, Jeff, you've vented about pre-made SGPs before, but this has to be the worst you've ever seen, right? Give me your insights on that and any lingering March Madness thoughts you may have.
2: You know, so uh, Ed Miller, one of the brightest minds in this, you know, in the gambling space, had a great tweet about this, and he and he pointed out, and he was he was trying to be fair and reasonable that. You know, single-game parlays are are in their infancy, that they're, I think he said, works in progress. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's going to be hiccups. So, you know, so let's assume that, okay? Let's just assume that. Let's assume that this was an innocent error. You know, that's what the algorithm spit out, you know, blah, blah, blah. But regardless, the story is always going to be the same, as far as I'm concerned, with these pre-made, you know, single-game parlays. And and the story is simply this. Just don't bet them, you know? And, (laughs) and, I mean, you know, don't bet them. I mean, these, you know, unless, unless... Unless your algorithm tells you it's a plus EV bet, then you know go ahead and do it. But for most of us, present company included, my algorithm resides in my gut and thus is not an algorithm. you know? Right. Uh, I, I have no business knowing if these are good or bad odds, right? That's why I stay away from these bets. But listen, the way that these SGPs are made, whether you're making them or whether they're making them, it's it's opaque at best. And I mean, they're almost like by almost. I mean, I you know, they are by definition bad bets to begin with, knowing that you know, with the parlay, and unless you have, you know, unless you're some you know computing genius and you know how you know, and you're betting with numbers and not your gut, that's the only way you should be betting these things. You know, it just it, uh, or if you just want to have fun. But to think that you're getting into these things, you know, to make money is, you know, you're, you're crazy.
1: Right. I, so first I'll note that – so you wrote this up, and you tried to get a, a comment from DraftKings, and they didn't give you one. It wouldn't have killed them to, to give you a comment. You know Whether it would have been a lie or not, they, they could have said <laughs> it was a technical error, and that's why we took it down. They did take the bet down after a little yes. bit uh, once yes. people started pointing out how outrageous it was. Um, but, but I did go
2: back up later at plus 400, I know. Oh
1: that's still noticed that's that's not Not much plus 400 is not much higher than plus 320 um but yeah by by them saying nothing it gives us more room to speculate that they are intentionally trying to rip off the customers who are lazy and impulsive um just not a great practice um but yeah i mean ultimately the blame the responsibility lies on the better not to make stupid bets never bet a pre-made sgp without pricing it out elsewhere i mean you, you you don't have to uh, necessarily use your gut. Uh, you also don't necessarily on the other end of the spectrum need to have some complex algorithms that that tell you how it should price out. You can just do a quick comparison. Uh, it takes like 60 seconds to see what the same parlay would pay if you built it yourself, either on that same site or on some other site, unless you don't value your money at all, the, then do whatever you want. But um, yeah, you know, sort of like, Ordering something that's listed on the menu as market price without asking what market price is. Um, mm-hmm. Although you know what, then again, there there is a cool factor, I guess, to consider. There, you you may look uncool asking what market price is, sure. uh, or yeah. you know you can uh, impress your date by looking like Mr. Moneybags and just ordering it and not caring ha- how much it costs. Uh, so maybe it's not the perfect one-to-one analogy, but basically, there's no good excuse for clicking bet on a pre-made SGP without you know asking a question or two first
2: it's not the pre-made SGP that is the problem it's the love of the pre-made SGP (laughs) that's the problem
0: good good point
1: (laughs) um and as for the March Madness I will uh first of all I'll I'll repeat what I mentioned last week that there was a guy in our office pool who had UConn over San Diego State in the finals which was yeah it was amazing I mentioned that last week that he had two of the final four and that was his final and it was amazing then It's even more incredible now. It's got to be like a top 0.0001% bracket entry nationally. Um, And uh, as Joe Casual, college sports fan who watched uh, zero minutes of the finals, I caught about 10 minutes of one of the semifinal games. I watched none of those women's games that everyone on Twitter was going nuts about. From my perspective, it seems like the women's final four got more attention than the men's, which I don't ever remember that happening before this year. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a great sign for women's basketball, but it also has to be interpreted as a sign of the decline of men's college hoops for all the reasons we, we've talked about and a sign that, you know, people love Cinderella's, but they love having one of them hanging around, not not three or four. Uh, after this year's tournament, a 16 beating a one doesn't even feel special anymore. And uh, so I, I, all of it doesn't bode well for March Madness going forward.
2: Yeah, I mean, at least they still have like, you know, the brackets, right? I mean, it's right. it's it, and so, you know, that's the thing,
1: like March Madness, the first
2: I mean, I, you know, I'm not a college basketball fan, but the first weekend of it, the first four days is fun. After that, like you hardly hear anyone talking about it outside of like, you know, hardcore college basketball fans, you know? Right.
1: That's true. It's 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 the idea of 64 teams in, in that bracket style format and everyone having hope when it's starting and a million games going on at once. And then you're right. The, the once the first weekend is over, unless you're like in the hunt for big money, you're kind of done with March Madness.
2: Yeah. So uh, when,
1: when, when's the final again? <laughs> it already happened. Oh. <laughs> yes. Unless you're asking about next year's final. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we are definitely not the podcast people want to tune into if they're trying to get uh, the best college basketball information. Well, I could probably, probably I could probably have said that without the words college basketball in there. No
2: <laughs>
1: uh, all right. We finished this week's news uh, segment with a peek at Texas, a state where things are starting to happen on the legislative side, but where it's nevertheless difficult to find much optimism about actual legalization. On Monday afternoon, two bills passed through the House State Affairs Committee. One bill would allow mobile sports betting. And the other would call for the creation of, quote, destination resorts, basically casinos with retail sports betting. But uh, even though we're seeing these encouraging signs in the House, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, who is outspokenly anti-gambling and, and may not be the most impartial source on this, says the bills have no support whatsoever in the Senate. Not a single senator in Texas backs them. Uh, Jill Dorson talked to a few insiders, and the general consensus was that the destination resort bill has some legislators intrigued. It's gaining some traction, but that nothing has any chance of passing in 2023. Still, Jeff, uh, the conversation has to start somewhere. Are you encouraged by what you're hearing out of Texas? And, and would you now say Texas is a favorite to legalize sports betting before California?
2: I, you know, I'm always shocked to find out Texas hasn't actually seceded yet. Uh, this is a different <laughs> world down there. Right. Um, but no, if I guess if, if I was going to bet, I, I would think no. I, I think California still would be the favorite to legalize before Texas. and mm. And my reasoning would be that it seems like California's issues are more like just plain and simple like about money and who's going to like get the most out of you know legalized sports betting uh you know it's gonna be the tribes you know the draft kings of the world because you know like there's a fight it seems to be a fight about money more than anything else whereas texas's issues seem to be you know more about uh quote unquote culture wars stuff you know what i mean like people are just like dead set against it um at least that's what my algorithm is telling me so you know
1: (laughs) Not' study. your gut that's your algorithm not your that's
2: gut. my that's my algorithm yeah okay. I, I ran the numbers um <laughs> no that's my take though i i I feel like the Texas lawmakers who are against it are like so like against it that it's going to take like I don't know what it's going to take, but like it's it's a, California just seems like once every once the tribes and the operators and the casinos and the politicians all get on the same page, then you know they press a button and it's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I I think that's that's right. That even though there is some movement in Texas, California is still probably like a minus three hundred favorite at least to legalize before Texas does. And uh, if if nothing happens this year with Texas, which it certainly seems nothing will. That's quite happen. two years, right? right, exactly. They only meet in odd numbers odd numbered years, so we're looking at twenty twenty five. Um, it's interesting that that suddenly casinos in Texas are being taken seriously as a possibility. Um. It all it all feels like a small step toward an eventuality, but not something that's going to click into place all that soon. Um, The religious group opposition to gambling in Texas is strong. There are tribal issues as well. I I would say Texas is an underdog still to get anything done in 2025, maybe by 2027 becomes a a favorite or close to even money. Um, So. I don't know. Jerry Jones is going to have to live a little while longer to eventually become the Biff Tannen of downtown Dallas and open up a big casino with his face on it, which that's that's got to happen, right? If they legalize casinos, there's a Jerry Jones casino, right? You would hope. (laughs) You would hope. Um, One other thing on this, one of the insiders uh, that Jill talked to said it won't pass this session because there isn't a budget deficit in Texas, which tells you so much about how short-sighted the whole political spectrum sphere is uh yeah we we don't desperately need money right now so we'll do nothing and we'll panic later and do something stupid when we do desperately need money rather than just you know calmly intelligently building up our surplus now it's uh, i don't understand uh, any of this stuff
2: no i don't i mean i politics is it's i I, no no thank you (laughs)
0: It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. The Masters
1: tease off this week, and so to tease off that time of year when people like me who only pay occasional attention to golf convince ourselves we're experts and decide to bet our hard-earned money on the sport. But there are some actual experts out there, and one of the most respected voices on the golf media and golf betting scene is joining us now. Jason Sobel is the senior golf writer for the Action Network. His 25-year career has also included long runs at ESPN and the Golf Channel. He hosts Hitting the Green on Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio. He's won four Sports Emmy Awards, putting him four ahead of me and Jeff combined. And he is live in Augusta right now, direct from the Masters. Jason, welcome to Gamble On.
0: Eric, thanks. Jeff, thanks. I appreciate that very nice intro right there. But um, I don't know. I, I've gotten very, very lucky. And I'm lucky to be here at Augusta National right now, uh, coming to you live from uh, from site, which is uh, honestly one of the greatest places on Earth. It really is. Better um, than my bedroom? That- <laughs> You I don't play know. Through. I mean, look, I, I I can only narrow it down to places I've been to. Of All the places I've been to, Augusta National is pretty good. Fair, fair.
1: <laughs> um. So one thing we have to ask you about, Jason, is is this whole live thing and how it's going to play into this. Uh, I've seen some sports books have posted odds on the question of will a live golfer win the Masters. The yes is plus four fifty at SuperBook. What's the feel down there about the live guys? You, you got DJ at plus twenty five hundred, Kepka thirty five hundred. Any other year, these look like fine wagers on these guys. What, what are your expectations?
0: So I know a lot of people, first of all, are going to say, oh, these guys, they're only playing in 54 hole events. They're playing for teams called the Range Goats and the Majestics and the Cleeks and all sorts of silly sounding names. And they can't play, quote unquote, real golf anymore. I want to, first of all, remind these people that these guys are still world-class golfers. They're not that far removed. Now they're, additionally motivated by having all these PGA tour players who might be among those who think they can't play real golf anymore. And so they want to go out and prove something to them. And then lastly, the fact that there are, as you mentioned, 18 live golfers playing this week, there's only 88 players in the field. It's more than 20% of the field that it is comprised of live players. And so you start looking at that and you go, it almost has to have, the leaderboard on Sunday afternoon, some live players, just based on the numbers, I would be shocked if we don't see some live players up there on the board. Do I have a live player winning this week? I do not. Do I think a few live players are going to make some noise? Yeah. Almost by mistake. I mean, it, it can't really happen that with 18 of them, they all finish outside the cut line. They all finish outside the top 30. We're going to see some of these players on the leaderboard.
1: Is there is there value? Do you think at plus four fifty to just take the whole live field that someone among them wins it or not
0: quite? There might be a little bit of value there. I I think I have uh I have a live player at number nine in my ranking of the entire field, and I have a guy that probably most people don't. Cameron Smith is still one of the best players in the world. I know he hasn't played great. On live so far this year, but he is still a tremendous ball striker and even better with a wedge or a putter in his hand. Dustin Johnson won this very event three years ago when it was played in November. He's still a great player, as is Joaquin Neiman. Mito Pereira was an up and comer when he left for live, but I'm looking at a player who embodies everything that live is about and is going to embrace the role as a villain. He'll be wearing the black hat, maybe quite literally, the 2018 champion here, Patrick Reed, who's absolutely going to love all the jeers. They don't they don't really root against people at Augusta National, but you'll feel it in the air. You'll feel the vibe of people kind of, you know, rooting against them just a little bit. And so Patrick Reed, he thrives on that. And I think Patrick Reed is going to have a very nice week coming off a third place finish at live Orlando, which doesn't really have a real name, but it's called live Orlando where they played this past week.
2: You know, I, there's a golfer out there playing this week, a bit of a fan favorite. You may have heard of him, guy, tiger woods. Uh, he's plus 6,500 to win last. I checked. He's not winning. I mean, he's not winning. There's no way. There's no way. But uh, I don't know, can I root for him? Can we get a top 10 finish? I see he's at like around plus 500 last I checked. I mean, is is I I the, if his name was anybody else other than Tiger Woods, he'd be at the bottom of the odds, I'm sure. But like, I don't know. I I I he's fun. I want to I want to root for Tiger.
0: You're allowed to root for Tiger. I I will take a more cautious approach to having a ticket on Tiger. Last year, he made the cut, historically made the cut, and uh hadn't been hadn't played golf a competitive round in more than 500 days and then shot 78-78 on the weekend, finished in 47th place. The way I look at it is he still can't practice very much. He's told us he's not going to play very much during the course of the year, but he's had a year longer for those injuries to heal up. He's had a year to recuperate and recover. I feel like it can only be better for Tiger moving forward. So I've got him for a top 40 this week. Again, like I said, a cautious play. Uh, The number is... I, I'm looking at it now, it's, it's right around even money, maybe a little bit better than even money this week for Tiger. So I get it. Look, I get it. He's the most fascinating uh, and maybe most talented golfer that we've ever seen. Everyone loves rooting for him. Everyone loves watching him. If you want to have a little investment in Tiger while you're watching this week, yeah, top 40 is probably a, as far as I'll go. I Top 20, uh, I feel like you're throwing your money away a little bit this week.
2: Uh, you know, the only thing I have to say to that, and you know, it's it is, you know, we got Passover miracles, we got Easter miracles, maybe we got a Tiger miracle.
0: We had one four years ago. Look, I know. I never I write off Tiger. Right. I, look, the the one player when he'll show up when he's seventy eight years old, uh, you know, walking with with a cane and, and try to get over the first tee for an honorary uh tee shot. I'll go. You know what? Kind of like him this year. I play him. <laughs> <laughs> I guess take it on Tiger. You never know.
1: If I'm hearing you right, Jeff, you're rooting for Tiger to have an unleavened score that doesn't rise. Is that <laughs> is that the way to describe
2: it? <laughs> that, that would be one way to describe it, <laughs> yes. <Okay. laughs>
1: um, so uh, g- give me give me a dark horse, uh, Jason. Uh, you, you already mentioned Patrick Reed. I looked him up. He's about 75 to 1 is the longest I'm seeing. Is there any, anyone even longer than that, maybe in the 100 to 1 kind of range who, you know, I'm not just looking for a decent top 10 or top 20 kind of bet, but a long shot you could see actually winning the whole thing. Is there someone else pretty far down the board who jumps out at you
0: no no okay <laughs> <laughs> you want more than that okay uh, okay so over the last decade the longest uh odds that i've seen as far as the uh, archive at golf is showing was hideki matsuyama two years ago he had pre-tournament odds of 60 to 1 even danny willett everyone forgets. Everyone goes, ah, Danny Willett. No one saw him winning. He was only 50 to one. He had won a European tour event just a a month earlier. And so there were a decent amount of tickets on Danny Willett back in 16 when he beat Jordan Spieth. And so I don't know that I necessarily see it bigger than that. Look, I I'm a guy that loves the long shot, loves the lottery play. Like, let's get a a ticket on a guy who's 200 to one and see if we can cash it. I just don't see it happening this week. Some guys with A little bit longer odds. I like Sunjay M a lot. I like Shane Lowry a lot. I think each of those guys has a chance to go win, but those guys, we're looking at somewhere in the 35, 40, 45 to 1 range. I just don't know that we're getting up there in the 80 to 1 range and have a guy who's capable of beating all the John Roms and Rory McIlroys and Scotty Schefflers this week.
1: You you seem Steve. to take a very level-headed approach to this whole betting thing. Uh, you know, Tiger top 40, not going <laughs> It's It goes uh, in sharp contrast to how Jeff likes to bet, which is the <laughs> longest shot possible. You know, he's not into the even money type things. But I am, I imagine this is better in the long run for you.
0: Well, you do understand. If I sit here with you guys and say, yeah, Tiger top 10, do it. Yeah, I love these guys at 100 to 1. All the trolls on social media are going to come after me on Monday when it doesn't happen. So right. I have to be level-headed or else I get all the uh, criticism afterwards.
2: Another I'm word good. for level-headed I'm is nervous. is smart. I think smart is the word we're all looking for here. <laughs> right. So here here's a bet that I found that, you know, speaking of the Sheffler-Rory-Rom trio, uh, they're obviously the big three headed into this week. Uh, I saw DraftKings, maybe other sites have it also, but DK has, uh, you know, one of them three went in at plus 190, the field at minus 280. Uh, If you had to pick a side on this, if you had to go and put some money down on this, what side are you going to go on here?
0: Well, I don't know if you want me to give up my favorite outright play just yet, but I'm taking the three of those players. Look, Hmm. it's a sucker bet. I get it. But it plus money, if I have to take one of those sides, those guys have a great chance. Look, Rory McIlroy plays some great golf, some of his best golf, unlike what you might think for a guy from – Hollywood, Northern Ireland, where it's windy and it's fast and firm, and you're playing Lynx golf. He plays his best golf when it's rainy and soggy and the course is playing longer. That should be what we see this weekend. It's gonna get a little chilly, uh, but it is gonna rain throughout the weekend. So that should help him. Scotty Scheffler, the one best thing I can say about him this week, the defending champion, he's now defended three other titles this year. He successfully defended at the WM Phoenix Open, won that one at the API. Just a month ago, he finished in fourth place. And a couple of weeks ago at the match match play, he also finished in fourth place. He is showing to be a course horse. So the fact that he's coming back here as the defending champion, I think is only good things for Scottie Scheffler. But the guy I really like is John Rahm. Somehow Rahm has slipped to bigger odds just a little bit than Scotty and Rory, and I think that that's just refrigerator material for John Rahm, leads the PGA Tour in strokes gain total right now. He usually does everything really, really well, which is, hey, that's a good sign. I don't know if you guys said you're kind of novice golf fans. If you do everything, if you drive it really well and then hit your iron shots really well and your wedges are really good if you miss the green and then you putt really well, you're (laughs) usually a pretty good player and you can win major championships. John Rahm does all of that, and he's been doing it all of it even better this year than he usually does five worldwide wins in his last 12 starts. I like everything about him this week. All right.
2: All right. I'm convinced.
0: Uh, All right. Well, I I think you've uh, survived this interview without saying
1: anything that the trolls are going to come after you too hard for, I guess, I guess (laughs) we'll find out after it posts, but uh, thanks so much for joining us, Jason. Great talking to you and uh, have fun down there at Augusta.
0: Appreciate it guys. Uh, When John Rob misses the cut this week, I will make sure the trolls (laughs) retweet all of this all the time. (laughs) Perfect two men ten thousand dollars will they run it up or blow it all it's time to check in on the gamble on bankroll
1: let's update our betting bankroll and uh, i made the unleavened joke with jason there uh our bankroll is very much unleavened these Mm -hmm. days uh three bets got graded last week Three bets lost. Uh, you took a ten-dollar stab on a no-hitter on opening day. You admitted it was a sucker bet. Indeed, it was. Cost us ten bucks. You had a five-leg opening day MLB moneyline parlay to potentially win a thousand dollars. That yeah. got off to a good start. Uh, sure the first, did. The first three legs won, uh, but then the last two lost. So we dropped ninety-six dollars on that one. And my boxing bet plus five twenty underdog Isaac Dogbay wasn't quite as live as i thought. He went the distance but lost a wide decision, so that cost us $50. And on top of all that, the big uh, Jokic MVP bet that was going to help us dig out of our hole is pretty much dead after world's yeah. greatest human Joel Embiid went off for 50 plus in a win last night. Not great, Jeff. Uh, the the money no. is fake, but the hits to our self-esteem are real. Uh, right, anyway, right, right. <laughs> for the week we lost $156. We're now down by $2,380. We also have $1,435 on hold in futures bets. So that leaves us with $6,185 available to bet with this week. And you are up first, Jeff.
2: So I just before I give you my bet here, I, I'm aggravated because like I, I placed the bet last week on my own, like in mm-hmm. between like our podcast that I loved. And so I was gonna be like I was like, oh, I'm definitely gonna use this for for the podcast. It was plus five fifty. Now it's plus a hundred. So I mean, I can't use it. Am I not allowed to use it?
1: (sighs) Nah. I mean, how long ago? How long ago was it? Plus five fifty.
2: I guess it must have been. Well, I don't know. It was. It's it's not.
1: It's not like it was just. We're recording this Wednesday morning. It's not like it was Tuesday night. No. No. Nah. Yeah. We have to. We have to work within the constraints of the timing of the podcast. All right.
2: Fair enough.
1: (laughs) I. You know what I will say going forward. I think if you want to lock in a bet, if we like have some public accountability or even private accountability, you send me a slack, the proof that this is a bankroll bet you're locking in, and whether it moves in a positive or negative direction over the course of the next week, you're locking it in. I think we can use that going forward, but not in this case. Okay.
2: All For right. the record, it was the number of quarterbacks going in the first round. DraftKings posted over four and a half at plus 550. It's now down to plus 100. Mm. Hooker from Tennessee is like, that. that's the wild card. Right. Because, uh, you know, the, the four obviously are going, Um, you know, uh, Stroud, Young, Levies, and uh, Richardson. Right. It's just a question of, there, is there a fifth? And I, I I liked it at plus 550. Then they, they lowered it plus 250. I said, oh, I better get a little bit more of this. And then and now it's plus 100. So right. I'm, I'm I'm, happy there. Whether or not it happens or not, who knows. But anyway, can't use it. That's no. it. At the end. Goodbye. Uh, so let's go <laughs> Masters. I'm going Masters. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts this week. <laughs> okay. And I haven't slept through all of them. Um, a round one uh, a Thursday, one, round one matchup. Parlay, not Ooh. crazy. Fifty bucks to win one twenty-seven at plus one fifty-five odds. All right. Mm-hmm. So DJ's got to go, got to beat uh, Joaquin Neiman and Minwoo Lee over Kisner. Those are my those are my bets.
1: Okay, I Let's have uh, no uh, no questions as to the logic. It sounds like. Uh... Algorithm, pure algorithm. There we go. All right. Uh, Well, I'm going to dabble in some master's betting myself. Uh, I don't know much about this sport, but uh, I do know Scotty Scheffler is extremely consistent. He's been in great form. He seems the safest pick in the field to at least be in contention over the weekend. I also see he has an afternoon tea time Thursday. That's right. I did a little uh, golf research, uh, and that means a morning tea time Friday, putting him possibly on the right side of the bad weather coming through. Uh, Here comes an incredibly boring bet. Scheffler to finish in the top 10. And I priced it out a bit. The best I found was minus 133. And then I looked at BetMGM, which has minus 145. But as we've discussed, there are no chops. A a tie pays in full uh, like a win. So I I think that that's uh, worth paying that tiny bit more. So simple bet here, $145 to win 100. Scotty Scheffler, top 10, including ties.
2: All right, I'm glad that you made a, a, a sane bet because um, we could use some of those. because uh-huh. uh, this one's not terribly sane. It's not, okay. I mean, it's not terrible. Uh Tony Fee now. How about mm-hmm. Tony?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh I just like the price, plus 2500 at MGM to win. Uh so for 50 bucks to win 1300, I think it's worth doing. Oh. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, he's good. He's you know, everyone like everyone everyone loves Tony and uh you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. He's, a, he's
1: a... He's in that like best never to win a major sort of discussion, right? Yeah.
2: So I mean, you know, he he'd look good in green. So what the hell?
1: <laughs> well, I wasn't uh, I wasn't necessarily supporting all of your reasoning until you said he'd look good in green, and now I mean, how can he it fail? Would. Yeah, I mean, it seems reasonable. <laughs> all right. Um, I it's I not do... an
2: algorithm bet. Just
1: no. Okay, the algorithm didn't tell you uh, what colors he looks best in. No. Okay. No um all right uh next up i have a wednesday night nba bet i uh i I had jotted down in our little uh, outline here that i might look for a baseball bet but in found instead i found an nba one that i like better uh the detroit pistons uh tanking for the number one pick in the draft they've quietly lost 20 of their last 21 games uh and they're against the nets tonight the nets are in the six seed right now but they're just one game ahead of the heat for the seven seed they certainly don't want to land in the play-in tournament, so it's important to keep winning, hold on to that six seed. They're going all out here. I just can't see a world in which they lose this game. I really want to bet them on the money line. It's minus 450. Would that be crazy to risk $450 to win 100, or, or maybe even nine hundred dollars of our bankroll to win 200 it kind of, go for it go yeah it. it's a, it's a sort of a better sweat right even for fake money if we, yes. we feel like there's something at stake because I was so they're, they're favored favorite by 1350 <laughs> all right I gotta I gotta I gotta reel you back in a little bit now you, you, I don't know if I can handle $1,350 $1, fake dollars um, yeah. so I'll just note that the the spread is ten and a half so I was thinking about we go that route route minus 110 110 dollars to win a hundred but uh yeah it feels like you know that uh, will they cover the spread maybe maybe not but they're definitely going to win the game they got to be at least 90 percent to win this game and it's minus 450 so all right if you're down with it we're risking 900 bankroll dollars just to win 200 uh and uh we've got us we've got us some nervous viewing tonight
2: that is fantastic
1: all right. This is so the opposite of of how you, you know, you love the uh, 20 to one uh, parlays. I'm going minus 450, but it creates a, a different kind of uh, energy. Yeah.
2: Uh, absolutely. All right. Uh, right. Uh, There's not a lot of energy on this next one, but a, a little parlay, a little major league baseball parlay today, a uh-huh. little afternoon action. Okay. I like the Pirates over the Red Sox in miserable weather up in Boston. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love the Rays over the Nats. That's, that's a slam dunk to me. Fifty bucks to win one fifty six plus two
1: thirteen. Okay. Well um,
2: simple. Sure. Why
1: not? One of these is gonna win, right? Maybe I, all no, of them.
2: No, or none of them, probably. But that's
1: all right. <laughs> I think all of them. That's how right. I'm feeling this week. Except Tony, maybe Tony yeah. Fee now. That was a that's a long shot.
2: But. That's a long shot. But you yeah, look at you, yeah. Mr. Glass Hatful. I'm more like <laughs> if glass fell off the table, broken and you know, don't step on the glass. <laughs> okay. Um, cut yourself
1: right no the, the, it just keeps getting worse you spill you yeah. cut yourself you yeah. have to clean up the mess uh, yeah, right. no this is uh, let's 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 stay positive um where are the band-aids <laughs> you're out of band-aids you have to go right. to the store but your foot is bleeding it's a whole thing
2: it's, it's terrible
1: um i'm gonna finish with a boxing bet and uh you ready jeff i have us yeah. a five leg parlay um but It's far less exciting than it sounds. This weekend is loaded with very safe favorites, in my view. So here's the bet. Uh, The one that's a tiny bit risky is Mirajan Akhmadaliev over Marlon Topalas. He's minus 500. Those are fair odds. Um, We're going to use that particular price. It's a two-way price, meaning if it's a draw, that leg pushes. Um, So playing that, not quite as risky, minus 500. But I don't want to just bet, you know, 500 to win 100 on that. So we add a bunch of sure things to bring the price down, and these will do in the three-way market where a draw actually kills our bet. But none of these are going to be draws. Uh, Keyshawn Davis over Anthony Yigit minus 1500. Jared Anderson over George Arias minus 1200. Shakur Stevenson over Shuchiro Yoshino minus 1200. And Brandon Lee over Pedro Campa minus 1200. It comes out to minus 160 for all five legs. It's a lot of work to risk 160 to win 100, but uh, minus money bets are my thing this week. It seems we we got to get some small wins, uh, so that's uh, that's what we're gonna do there.
2: I like it. That's, you're right. and You're being much more responsible than I am with our fake money.
1: Well, I pride myself on that. Um, and that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks, everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to this week's guest, Jason Sobel. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to US dot com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or anywhere else. And with that, Jeff, please take us out. All right, I mean, uh, full disclosure, uh, you and other uh,
2: intelligent bosses nixed my column idea, so I'm just going to do it here. Here's some okay. Passover odds for you. Uh, <laughs> minus 150, an argument about Donald Trump breaks out at my Seder table. Mm. That, that's pretty good odds, I think. Yeah, yeah. Minus 250, someone in my family refers to Joe Biden as senile. Uh, <laughs> okay. My, minus 400, that that person is certainly senile themselves. <laughs> right. Okay. A lot of uncles, a lot of old uncles. Uh-huh. Uh, minus one seventy-five. I want to punch my brother for no good reason. <laughs> now, what good.
1: if it turns out you have a good reason? Then the bet, bet doesn't cash. The,
2: the bet doesn't cash. Okay. There has to be no, there has to be no, no good reason. <laughs> okay. Uh, three and a half uh, is the over/under. A number of times I inadvertently roll my eyes at the table, not mm. on purpose, like where, like it's like a muscle memory <laughs> type thing. Three and a half is the over/under. Uh, this one, this is one to watch this next one, four and a half is the over under number of tequilas I have because they're kosher for Passover and Manischewitz wine tastes like grape juice with 40 pounds of like rotten honey added to it. And so we like, now we drink tequila at my, at, at, at my Seder. So four and a half, that's the over under on, okay. on, on, that. Uh, this one's, this one's a slam dunk. I, I was had to take this one off the board. Uh, minus 10,000. Uh, my wife telling me I've had enough to drink. That's... <laughs>
1: Especially, you should parlay that with over four and a half tequilas, yeah. I guess.
2: Well, no, you're not allowed to parlay that. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're no, right. A lot of correlation there, yeah. Yeah, too much correlation.
2: Uh, <laughs> be the same game Passover parlay, SGPP. <laughs> uh, and then uh, finally, is a three and a half is uh, over under a number of hours post Seder before I just stuff bread in my mouth just because I'm a nonconformist <laughs> and consider myself a little bit of an iconoclast. So if you care to wager on these or any other Passover bets, please add message me. And so that we together on this Passover Seder Day, gamble on.